bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need the legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Nympogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, July 31st, 2012. I begin this week's podcast with another update on tax reform legislation. Then, in this week's Renewable Energy Discussion, I'll review a bill introduced last week by Ways and Means Committee Democrats, a bill that would provide additional tax credits for advanced energy manufacturing. I'll also discuss a new study that found that every state in the nation has the space and resource to generate renewable energy. In our new market tax credit segment, I'll review the latest news in the 2012 application round, including the release of the electronic application and this week's deadline to apply for CDE certification. In the long buzzing tax credit section of this week's podcast, I'll discuss a recommendation published last week to double, that's right, double, the federal allocation of long buzzing tax credits for five years and to dedicate the additional volume cap to the preservation of existing affordable housing. I also have a state-level update from California regarding the dissolution of redevelopment agencies. And finally, in the historic tax credit discussion, I'll discuss a state-level update from Ohio, where a bill was passed that expands the eligibility for the state historic tax credit. And then I also have two updates from the Advisory Council on Historic Preservation. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news, last week, the Senate voted to extend the Bush tax cuts for middle-income taxpayers. It was a vote of 51 to 48. Following the Senate vote, Democratic leaders announced that they would introduce an identical measure in the House. They're going to introduce it this week, and that bill would also extend the tax cuts for households with incomes up to $250,000. Meanwhile, Ways and Means Chairman Dave Camp introduced H.R. 8, the Job Protection and Rescission Prevention Act. This legislation provides a one-year extension of the existing tax rates at all income levels, including a 15% top rate on dividends and capital gains. Camp's bill would also maintain the estate tax at its 2011 and 2012 parameters, index for inflation. It would also provide higher Section 179 small business expensing limits, and provide a two-year AMT patch that would cover 2012 and 2013. Chairman Camp says the bill would serve as the bridge to tax reform in 2013. Which brings us to the next point in today's update. Last week, House Rules Committee Chairman David Dreyer, along with Chairman Camp, introduced H.R. 6169. So what is H.R. 6169? This bill is called the Pathway to Job Creation Through a Simpler, Fair Tax Code Act. This legislation is the plan that House Republicans had promised to release before the August recess begins, and it's a plan to provide a pathway to comprehensive tax reform in 2013. Supporters say that by implementing expedited procedures, the bill would enable lawmakers to overcome technical hurdles that often cause bills to languish during the legislative process. 
the proposed process would allow debate on a tax reform bill to begin with a simple majority vote, which means opponents in the Senate wouldn't be able to filibuster to prevent the measure from being considered. However, the House Republicans' proposal would still require 60 votes in the Senate to end debate and set up a final vote. The measure also sets a timetable for various steps in the tax reform process. For example, by the end of April 2013, the Ways and Means Committee chairman would be required to introduce a comprehensive tax reform proposal that would be required to include a number of provisions such as the consolidation of the current tax brackets into two with a top rate of 25% for individuals and a reduction of the corporate tax rate to a maximum of 25%. The bill would then require the Ways and Means Committee to report out the tax reform legislation by May 20th of 2013, and the Senate would receive the bill from the House by early to mid-June, and it would refer it to the Senate Finance Committee, and so on and so forth. The legislation also includes procedures to facilitate a conference committee, which would likely happen in August under the proposed timetable. At the time of this recording, it's unclear if this proposal will gain enough traction to become law. But Senate Finance Committee Chairman Max Baucus did tell the National Journal last week that he was very interested in an expedited process. Now let's turn to congressional hearings. Last week, the Subcommittee on Oversight Hearing on Public Charities held the second in a series of hearings exploring tax-exempt organization issues and IRS compliance efforts. The focus of last week's hearing was on 501c3 public charities, the largest category of tax-exempt organizations. The hearing, according to Chairman Charles Bustani, was meant to provide information to the subcommittee as the subcommittee begins to look to the future and to think about changes that will help tax-exempt organizations work more effectively to meet their goals. Changes likely to be incorporated into some future tax reform if tax reform does move forward. Turning to this week, the Senate Finance Committee is going to explore the history of the two-tiered corporate tax system and compare U.S. taxation of pass-throughs to systems in other countries. Remember that President Obama has proposed, or at least proposed considering, taxing large pass-throughs at the corporate or at the entity level. This hearing in the Senate Finance Committee is scheduled for tomorrow, August 1st, and it's entitled Tax Reform, Examining the Taxation of Business Entities. Also tomorrow, on August 1st, the House Banking Subcommittee on Housing, Transportation, and Community Development will hold a hearing entitled Streamlining and Strengthening HUD's Rental Housing Assistance Programs. And the witnesses will include the executive director of the Newark Housing Authority, the deputy director of the Sioux Falls Housing Redevelopment Commission, a senior policy analyst at the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities, and a senior VP for policy and research with the National Low Income Housing Coalition. I also want to remind our listeners that next week marks the start of Congress's summer state and district work period. That state and district work period is scheduled for the period August 6th through September 7th. And I note that once the members of Congress return to Congress, there are only 13 legislative days scheduled in the House between September 8th 
and the election day. So after this recess, there are 13 legislative days left in the House. And I note that those 13 legislative days aren't full days. Some of those days, you don't have votes until after 6 o'clock or no votes after 3 o'clock, which are basically the arrival days and the getaway days for members of the House. And one last note, the Senate Finance Committee continues to work to try to pass a tax extenders bill. There are a number of issues that are impeding the progress. In order to stay current and what's happening with the Senate Finance Committee efforts for tax extenders, you can follow me on Twitter. I'll send tweets as updates warrant. In Renewable Energy Tax Credit News, Last week, Ways and Means Committee Democrats introduced legislation to provide additional tax credits for advanced energy manufacturing. H.R. 6182, the American Advanced Energy Manufacturing Jobs Act, was introduced by Congressman Mike Thompson. The bill would extend and expand the Section 48 Cap C Advanced Energy Manufacturing Tax Credit. This proposed bill would provide an uncapped tax credit for certain advanced manufacturing, including activities related to solar, fuel cell, and battery components. The bill would also provide a $3 billion capped credit for other manufacturing. The cost of the legislation would be offset by repealing two provisions, and you can guess who those two provisions relate to, major integrated oil companies. The bill would first modify the rules that allow companies a foreign tax credit against their U.S. taxes to the extent that it pays income tax to a foreign government. And second, the bill would eliminate the expensing of intangible drilling costs for these large, major integrated oil companies. Supporters say that renewing the Advanced Energy Manufacturing Tax Credit Program will help increase clean energy manufacturing projects and expand domestic manufacturing capacity. Now let's turn to NREL. A new study released last week found that every state in the nation has the space and resource to generate renewable energy. The U.S. Department of Energy's National Renewable Energy Laboratory, NREL, produced the study, and the study looks at available renewable resources in each state in the nation. The report shows the achievable energy generation of a particular technology given resource availability, such as solar, wind, or geothermal. It also looks at topographic limitations and environmental and land use constraints. The study includes state-level maps and tables containing available land area, installed capacity, and electric generation for each technology. You can find a copy of the study online at www.energytaxcredits.com. I'd also be interested in any comments you might have on the study. Send an email to cpas at novaco.com. And if you have any questions about developing renewable energy in your state, I'd encourage you to contact my partners. You can contact Stephen Tracy in San Francisco at 415-356-8000, or you can contact Tony Capone in our Boston, Massachusetts office at 617-330-1920. In new market tax credit news, last week, the CDFI fund released the electronic application for the 2012 round of the new market tax credit program as well as the online allocation application instruction manual. Applications for the 2012 New Market Test Round are due September 12th, and they'll only be accepted electronically through the MyCDFI Fund system. The CDFI Fund also noted last week 
that it has made minor changes to the application since the paper version that was originally published on July 13th was released. Those changes were highlighted in a replacement version of the paper application that was also released last week. Links to the online application instruction manual and revised paper application are available at www.newmarketscredits.com. I'd also like to remind organizations who are thinking about applying for the 2012 round of New Market Tax Credits that the deadline to apply for certification as a community development entity is this week. In order to be able to apply for an allocation of New Market Tax Credit Authority, applicants must have submitted applications for CDE certification by this Friday, August 3rd. If you have questions about CDE certification or the 2012 NNTC application, please contact one of my partners, Owen Gray, Diana Letzinger, Annette Stevenson, John Shreddy, Brad Elphick, Nicola Pinoli, and others. We have a lot of depth in the New Market Tax Credit area. And finally, I have good news for anyone who missed today's New Market Tax Credit application webinar. A replay of that webinar will be available online by the end of the week. In that replay, you can watch Nicola Pinoli walk through the application process and review each section of the 2012 New Market Tax Credit application. He also shares strategies for constructing a competitive application based on the insight that he's gained through completing dozens of applications successfully. And to download a replay of the webinar, simply go to www.novaco.com events and click on webinars. In low-income housing tax credit news, in order to help advance a federal rental housing policy that also addresses related social needs, like high transportation costs, our friends over at the National Housing Trust have submitted eight policy recommendations to the Bipartisan Policy Center's Housing Commission. Among the recommendations is a proposal to double the federal allocation of low-income housing tax credits for five years. Under the proposal, the incremental amount of credits would only be used to preserve existing housing developments that are affordable to very low-income households. The National Housing Trust said that rehabilitating an existing unit costs about 40% less than building a new unit, and that preservation protects the billions of dollars already invested in affordable rental housing. The National Housing Trust estimates the cost of this proposal at $5 billion and suggests the funds should be reprogrammed from other tax expenditures for housing. The organization's other recommendations include giving HUD the flexibility to transfer unused rental assistance to opportunity communities or to target special needs. Also, combining existing HUD and Department of Transportation resources to preserve federally subsidized housing near public transit, rebalancing federal household expenditures to expand assistance for extremely low-income households, and ensuring that GSE successors have explicit government guarantee to maintain multifamily liquidity. The National Housing Trust said its recommendations are intentionally low-cost. The group also said it expects the Bipartisan Policy Center's Housing Commission to issue a report on real housing policy at a point when Congress will need to make difficult decisions that will affect future budgets. You can find a copy of the National Housing Trust recommendations online at www.taxcredithousing.com. 
Now, before I move on to our next segment, I do want to remind my California listeners of a pending deadline. Tomorrow is the deadline for dissolved redevelopment agencies, housing-related successor agencies, to submit their lists of housing assets to the State Department of Finance. These lists, which are due August 1st, should include all housing assets that this housing successor agency received and holds between February 1, 2012 and the date the list is prepared. The list should explain how the housing asset meets the criteria in Assembly Bill 1484. The California Department of Finance has posted the asset reporting form that successor agencies should use to report their housing assets, and it also has a frequently asked questions document on the Redevelopment Agency Dissolution website. These documents are at www.dof.ca.gov. In historic tax credit news, legislation enacted in Ohio last month added a new provision to the state's historic preservation tax credit, a provision that expands eligibility for the program. SB 314 allows lessees of historic buildings to take advantage of the state historic tax credits. More specifically, for purposes of the state credit, qualified rehabilitation expenditures can now be passed through to the qualified lessee. As most of our listeners know, this provision mirrors the federal historic tax credit. According to Heritage Ohio, this change should help facilitate the syndication process and lower transaction costs. Senate Bill 314 also modified two other state tax credits. It placed more restrictions on the Invest Ohio tax credit a tax credit awarded to investors and small businesses, and it expedites the process for using the Jobs Creation Tax Credit. You can find the text of the bill at www.historictaxcredits.com. And if you have questions about historic preservation in the state of Ohio, please contact my partner, Tom Bosha, in our Cleveland, Ohio office. Turning to the Advisor Council on Historic Preservation, early this month, the council released a Q&A document that addresses the Section 106 review process as it relates to Native American traditional cultural landscapes. Section 106 refers to the part of the National Historic Preservation Act that requires federal agencies to take into account the effect that their activities could have on historic properties. Section 106 also requires the Advisory Council on Historic Preservation to review the agency's plans for the property. The Council released the Q&A on July 11th to address a few of the challenges that federal agencies, Indian tribes, and Native American organizations face regarding traditional cultural landscapes. The Q&A addresses common questions about how such historic properties should be considered in the Section 106 process. Now, most of the eight questions focus on defining and identifying traditional cultural landscapes and are consulting with Indian tribes and Native Hawaiian organizations. The document also includes links to additional information sources. Now, the Advisory Council on Historic Preservation stressed that the Q&A was not an exhaustive list of the Section 106 issues related to Native American lands. Further, the Council said that it would welcome additional questions and it would consider addressing those questions in future documents. If you'd like to read the July 11th Q&A, please visit the Historic Tax Credit Resource Center at www.historictaxcredits.com. And if you have specific questions about a property you're working on, call my partners, Tom Bosha 
at 216-298-9000 or Charlie Ruda at 617-330-1920. Both of them can help you with any questions you may have regarding the Section 106 process or more broadly the Historic Task Credit Program. And while we're speaking of the Advisory Council on Historic Preservation, I want to let you know that the Council will hold its next quarterly meeting next week on Thursday, August 9th. The meeting is going to be held in the trustee room at the Valentine House at the Newark Museum in Newark, New Jersey. Now, these meetings are open to the public, and you can find details about the meeting in an agenda that's been published online. It's in the July 24th Federal Register. Some of the topics include the legislative agenda for historic preservation policy, as well as a right-sizing and sustainability task force. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. Please join me again next week for another Tax Credit Tuesday. Among other things, next week, I'll discuss national multifamily tax and bond housing issuance trends for 2011. I'll also discuss the nomination round for the 2012 Developments of Distinction Awards. This is Michael Novogratik, and I'll be back next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik & Company, LLP. Archive discussions are available online at www.novoco.com slash podcast or by subscribing to the Novogratik Report on tax credits in iTunes. Novogratik & Company, LLP, is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with 13 offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novoco.com.